Welcome once again to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. We help business creators like you win at the game of business and marketing so you can thrive from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion and make a difference for your community, market, and audience. Please take a moment and visit our website at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. You will find hundreds of episodes covering a breadth and depth of topics relevant to you as a business creator and links to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. And now here's one of those episodes. My name is Adam Homie. I am your host. I am honored by your wise decision to tune in and invest in yourself today. And today's topic is going to be another one about the coronavirus. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, the title is going to be Leading in Times of Uncertainty. And this is going to be a very interesting conversation about uh, the value of emotional intelligence, uh, how to reach out to people who see their lives as being disrupted and how to get them focused. We're going to get into dealing with uncertainty. We're going to look at navigating chaos. And when you meet our guest, you are going to be so excited by who we have. This is somebody who I've wanted to have on this show for a long time. He's an internationally acclaimed author. I've been following him uh, through his social media and just seeing the stuff he's been doing for a few years. And finally, 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 we were able to nail this guy down and get him to hang out with us on the Business Creators Radio Show. His name is Alan Samuel Cohen. And let me tell you about him. He is an experienced executive and team coach, corporate instructor, TEDx speaker, and author with over a decade of experience coaching leaders and teams and companies including MetLife, American Express, Skadden Arps, Tiffany's NBC, and countless PR and marketing agencies. He also leads a community of heart-centered male coaches who are interested in emotional EQ. You'll define that for me in a second. I'm blanking on what that means professional development he resides in manhattan and miami with his spouse and their three-legged wheaton terrier so alan samuel cohen come on in the weather's fine and tell me what i'm blanking on when i see the, the phrase eq adam hello adam thank you so much for having me I, i'm excited to chat with you and uh so what you were stumbling upon is is so eq stands for emotional quotient Oh, yes, right, right. Right, so also known as emotional intelligence. So uh, it's a common, a common uh, confusion. All right, yeah, we are going to be discussing those things here today. So what we like to do here at Business Creators Radio, before we dive in, and I previewed a few of the areas you're going to guide us through here, is we like to take a quick step back. We have folks who are leaning in. They have a separate browser tab open. They're binging the Yahoo out of the Googles, discovering more about this Alan Samuel Cohen. Uh, his website, by the way, is that Alex Samuel Cohen or actually Alan Samuel Cohen.com. I'm so damn excited here. I apologize for that. <laughs> Alan Samuel Cohen, Alex P. Keaton, Alan Alex Cohen. I mean, who knows? Uh, you should see, you should see how I butcher my own name every once in a while. Alan Samuel Cohen.com. And the other beautiful thing about the business creators radio show is we are real. We don't edit my own foibles. So, uh, AlanSamuelCohen.com. That's the website if you have a separate browser tab and open it up. And while you're checking that out and you're listening to our episode, what we want to do is, Alan, if you could tell us a little bit about your journey and what's brought you to where you are today, serving business creators from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion and making a difference for your community, market, and audience. 
Absolutely. Uh, uh, it's a great, a great broad, broad question. So you'll cut me off when, I, <laughs> when I'm rambling. Or I might just let you go the whole hour. It makes my job easier. No, I'm kidding. You know, as I, I approach, as I approach the ripe old age of sixty, it, it, you know, the the bio gets longer and longer. So I have to, I, I have to refine it some. Uh, but uh, you know, so before becoming an executive and leadership coach, I worked for about twenty five years in marketing and public relations, and I, that's uh, really where I cut my teeth. And and most notably, I was the publicity and marketing director for Scholastic Publishing, and was essentially the first person in the United States to work on the publicity for the Harry Potter books and uh, tour JK Rowling around the, around the country when nobody knew her name. And, and uh, it was a pretty big deal, but, yeah. but for me, that would have really, I could have kept going in a PR, in a PR career um, that was really hitting the high note and uh, I could have kept going. But for me, what was really compelling about that uh, experience was what, a small team that I led was capable of doing when they were really aligned around a sense of, of purpose. And, and so it, it turned me on to leadership development and to uh, coaching and training. And so then I pivoted and moved into human resources. And then from there, I uh, went through coach training and ultimately found that that was really my calling to help team leaders uh, empower their teams and to coach executives and entrepreneurs. And, um, and, you know, the rest, is, the rest is history. It just continues to, to evolve. But, uh, but I, uh, and maybe perhaps we'll talk about this, but I, I left my corporate job and set, and, and set up my shingle right at the time with that the economy crashed 12 years ago. Yeah. So that was kind of a, you know, uh, oops. Um, maybe I should have really thought this through a little bit more, uh, but, but, those are great times also to seize an opportunity. And, and I'll, I'll show the story about what happened um, for me right then and there, because it looks so dire. Um, you know, how do you, how do you actually grow an economy when it seems like nobody uh, grow an economy? How do you grow a business when it seems like nobody has any money? Um, but, but I found I'm pretty scrappy and resilient. And, and that's my, probably my message to all the entrepreneurs and out there who are yeah. um, scratching their head, you know, we, we, we'll get through it. And, um, you know, lots of millionaires and billionaires have been created during these difficult times. It's a great time to spark innovation and, and, uh, and possibility. So um, let me, yeah, let yeah. me share a thought on that. Sure. Uh, you, um, I'm, I'm vegan myself, but I used to be one mm -hmm. hell of a carnivore and I used to love a mm -hmm. good steak and mm -hmm. I used to like a one steak sauce. Did you know that that was invented during the civil war? I did not know that. It's like, Dude, we're literally tearing this country apart, but somebody thought, hey, we need a good steak sauce. I There's not. opportunity everywhere. Everywhere. Somebody's going to make a move. Everywhere. And I, I tell you, Adam, I have been busier than I have ever been in the past few months. Um, and yeah. and it's, it's, uh, it's a fascinating time in our lives to, to pivot and, and to reflect on who we are and, and, and what kind of business we want to be in and how we can serve um, our, our communities and our clients. And, and so uh, while I'm not happy about um, how it's hurt so many people and, 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 uh, and the difficulties it's created, I'm also incredibly optimistic about, about yeah. what's possible going forward. Um, I can tell you right now, Alan, most of the clients of my consulting firm, the Business Creators Institute, are booming right now. 
Yeah. Uh, I mean, when this stuff first hit, now I live in Nevada, so it was right around March 17 when we began our shutdowns and things like that. So I'm thinking I'm a fairly introverted person to begin with. Um, I have a really spacious balcony. It's warm enough for me to sit out there uh, with a cigar when I want to have a cigar, uh, even in March. Uh, I can just, uh, I mean, before they closed down the cigar shop, I went and I bought like four boxes. I figured this will tide me through for three months, even though this is only going to be 30 days. I'll just be ahead of the game. And I just sort of hunkered down. Well, um, I'm thinking, yeah, it's probably going to slow down on the client side a little bit. And now I'm going to have time to uh, relaunch the Business Creators Institute and get the Podcast Creators Institute off the ground. It was a month before I got to those things because all my clients got busy. There were no heads going in the sand and all my clients are actually growing right now. Yeah, yeah. And, that, it, and, and to a one, every single one of them is launching something new. Yeah, I, I love that you shared that, Adam. And it's, it's, it's exactly what I'm seeing too with my clients. I, most of them are, are, are experiencing tremendous success launching programs right now and, and really trying different things out. And, and that's why it's so important for, especially for those of us who work with entrepreneurs and coaches and all that, that we, that we keep our mindsets in a positive, in a positive place so we can encourage and support people going through times like this because they always find their way through it. And, um, and we just can't get into the box with them um, when they're going to negative town or when, you know, with all the anxiety and insecurity, we have to just really be a stand for them and, and truly believe in them because we've seen it before. We've seen it. it, you know, it's just, it's about resilience and, and, and just, staying in the game and, and trying new things and, and you'll come out fine on the other end. I believe so. So that being said, and let's start getting into things. Yeah. In your experience from your view, Alan, what mm-hmm. are, and I'm going to have to keep saying your name so that I remember it's not Alex. <laughs> you're not Alex P. Keaton, you're Alan S. Cohen. But, but you know, <laughs> Alex, but, but Alexander Cohen was a very, very famous Broadway producer and I worked yeah. in the Broadway theater for eight years. So, you know, perhaps that, you know, you got me confused with like that mega billionaire um, theater producer. That's exactly what it is. You <laughs> caught me. <laughs> All right. So let's dive in. What are the main areas of life and work? I mean, we've previewed it already, but let's get into these main areas of life and work. Do you see being disrupted right now the most with your clients and in the business community as it relates to this whole COVID-19 thing? Sure. Well, well I, I, I recently did a talk about the crisis in empathy and, and, and what we're seeing in, in the world today and, and how it's really a moment for leaders to uh, to take a stand and step into greater empathy and because it's it's what is most required right now in in addition to strategic vision and and, and goal setting and, and all of that important stuff it's the human it's the human piece that's so necessary right now and 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 that's how we lead our teams how we lead our families how we lead our communities yeah. amidst so much stress and uncertainty and, and so people are looking to those of us who are in these kind of leadership positions to, to, to be the calm, to be the support, um, to provide a little more certainty and a little more structure for, for folks amidst this, this moment in time where, where a lot of people, where, where there are no rules or there seem to be no rules. 
and, and new rules need to be written. So um, I think that's one of the, I think there's a great challenge for people, uh, you know, people, people like myself, you know, coaches, consultants, solopreneurs, entrepreneurs, a lot of us have worked from home for a long time. And, and so we know what, we know how to make that work. We know how to put structure in place, but a lot of people have never had to do that. Uh, a lot of my corporate clients are working from home for the first time. And, and then once the novelty wore off, they were, they were like, Oh, I don't really like this. I'm missing the social connection um, that you can get beyond zoom. You know, I, I want to have lunch with people. I want to, I want to, do business at the water cooler. So, um, you know, I would say that I work with female entrepreneurs as well. And, and a lot of them, um, especially some of them who are right in the midst of launching businesses, they've they got their kids like crawling over their laps. Um, they're homeschooling their kids. They're just there, you know, so having to, to really set some boundaries where they can set boundaries is a, is a, is a big, it's a, an opportunity that needs to be addressed. And, and, uh, um, but I, you know, I, I, I often say it's like, it's, it's, it's one of the most pro while we think that we have control, um, while a lot of our, our sense of control is an illusion anyway, because everything can change in a heartbeat, but right now it's really, it can be really difficult to plan when, uh, when things seem to be shifting moment by moment. Um, yeah. and I would say, especially if you, if you will have a bricks and mortar, kind of operation, um, you know, th those are the, the, and people in live entertainment and that, you know, those people are in the, in the, in the hardest position, but, um, but, you know, I'm working with a lot of my clients right now to help them learn, learn the online landscape and migrate their, their businesses to online. And, 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 and uh, so anyway, I don't know if I answered that question. I answered. Probably. Yeah, you did. You, okay, you, you did a great <laughs> job. Of it. And that's the theme that just keeps coming up over and over again in conversations here is the whole shift to remote work and things of that variety. I remember when I uh, first came to Las Vegas, I got involved in a, in a startup uh, that uh, actually is doing very well these days. I'm no longer involved in it. And the thing is just totally out there rocking it. Well, at one point the startup had gotten some office space and uh, the question came up, and I had my own business at the time, just like I do now. And the question came up, well, how much time are you going to spend down here at the office? And I said, well, <laughs> none, really. Uh, I, I mean, if, uh, I mean uh, I'll come in for the weekly meeting uh, and if we're doing presentations and such, but there's no reason for me to be here. Uh, but, 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 but what about the camaraderie of being in an office environment and having a cubicle where you can have drop-bys and say you grab three or four people and say, let's go in the conference room and have a meeting. And I said, you just described every single thing I will not leave my cat's home, home alone for. So it's different, so it's different for all of us. Right, in, fa right. in, fact, uh, in fact, there was that meme that was going around that when this whole COVID thing started, now it's time for the introverts to check in with the extroverts to make sure they're okay. I love that. For laughs. For laughs, I actually did it. <laughs> yeah, I think that's I think that's brilliant. I think that's brilliant. Um, I, you know, I, I I live in Manhattan, so we're really at the center of the center of 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 the pandemic. I mean, we have yeah, been. You guys have rough. Better. Yeah, it's gotten. It, it's certainly gotten. I, I don't know. You would, New Yorkers, we're we're pretty adaptable. Um, but but I have to say that um that i have found this to be a useful time i've picked up a lot of new um new hobbies and and <laughs> brought back some old ones and uh, you know and i'm 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 really getting to know my apartment very very intimately so uh, yeah good when we get off this call i'm going to be painting my hallway so uh, oh nice uh, but i miss i do miss seeing my neighbors on the street and uh but but 
that'll that'll happen soon enough. We, you know, we just got to get through it. And uh, oh yeah, and we will. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah. And, and, you know, not to get into, you know, how this should have been handled or anything like that. And I think that there are different degrees of success. And I also know that there really never was any one size fits all approach. Right. I mean, right. you, I mean, you live in an area that unfortunately um, has been identified as a major hotspot for this. I live in an area that almost became one. Yeah. 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 Well, I'm glad it didn't. You know? So am I, so am I yeah. because, uh, but at the same time, I think what both of us have seen in our respective parts of the world is how this has ravaged certain businesses while it's created right. opportunity for others. Exactly. I know people personally who are small business owners here in Las Vegas who um, were totally capable of shifting their operations to a socially distanced version, like online only curbside and things like that. Yeah, yeah. And uh, they, in fact, they were doing it when they were asked nicely to do it, only to three days later be told, you're part of the problem. You mm. will shut down all your operations right now. Yeah. Part of the problem? They wow. were cooperating. Yeah. They were yeah. making it work. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so hard. Yeah. So hard. So hard, you know. It's it's, but I but I think that um, I think people who are flexible um, will be the most successful. And I think that yeah. this is this and that. I know we're going to talk about emotional intelligence, but but resilience, flexibility, empathy, those are all uh, those are all key ingredients to getting through um, something like this, which which few of us have ever experienced at this level. Yeah. Well, you know what? I love the brain stuff, as I mentioned earlier. So why don't we just get right into emotional intelligence? Uh, how do we use it? Sure. Well, we're, we're, we're probably using it every day. We're, some people are using more aspects of it than others. Some people have more uh, uh, muscle in, in certain aspects of, of emotional intelligence. But just at, uh, just at the most basic level, it's, it's really a, an understanding of one's own emotions and managing those emotions and, and using those emotions effectively in relationships and in situations. And then also being able to, uh, to really understand the emotions, thoughts, feelings of others and, and adapt accordingly. And, and so uh, interestingly, the, the World Economic Forum recently uh, said that the skills that comprise emotional intelligence, uh, which include things like self-awareness and stress management and flexibility and um, how we use emotions to make decisions, that those are among the, the top most important skills for any leader as we move into the next decade. And, and uh, you know, even more than IQ, cognitive abilities, business, uh, business knowledge. And, and it makes sense because for most of us, whether we're consultants, coaches, leaders, entrepreneurs, uh, uh, relationships are at the core of everything that we do. And emotional intelligence is, is the fundamental building block for relationships and uh yeah. and it's it's a deep it's a it's a deep 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 study there's nothing soft about about the skills that comprise emotional intelligence and uh you know i work extensively with leaders mainly men um because because their emotional intelligence tends to be lower than most women and right. uh probably not surprisingly um just not they, at all because yeah, those those Qualities were not necessarily encouraged for, for many of us um, growing up and, and society societally, um, but um, but I see how pretty. Yeah, I truly believe that that 
everything that we want in our lives or most everything that we want in our lives and, and, and the things that we don't get that we want, uh, it's usually a result of some underutilized aspect of our emotional intelligence or some overutilized aspect of our emotional intelligence that's getting in the way of success, which is what I help help uh, business business leaders with. You know, you know if uh, uh, assertiveness is a wonderful quality um, to have, but but overused assertiveness, which is a, a, a an emotional intelligence attribute, becomes aggressive, and and that's when you become a bully and. You know, I've worked with leaders at Fortune 50 companies who um, assertiveness can work well in negotiation, but it doesn't go over very well sometimes in, in just dealing with employees, uh, personal uh, issues that are impacting their, their, uh, their performance. And right now, you know, if you're a leader who doesn't have a good deal of emotional intelligence, you're going to have a really hard time um, when we get back to work. Um, whatever to some semblance of normal because your employees are are going to be looking for for leadership that that not only leads from the head but also leads from the heart and from and from the core and um, and so you know p- people know what to do but they need to they need to believe that their their leader their boss um, their uh, really cares about them and uh, it's pretty basic stuff but um, it's easy for us to forget especially when we're stressed out um, we can default to our our, our worst tendencies. Yeah, uh, you know, when it comes to emotional intelligence. Uh, you know, I, you know, I, I can say firsthand that it is a fact. And you know, you know, I'm a man, you're a man, so we can speak this. We can say this is that. Yeah, in many cases, men don't get the initial uh, background in emotional intelligence. Like we're told, oh, uh, if you cry, you're a sissy. Mm-hmm. And uh, and in another case. Uh, I, throughout my entire life, have been afflicted by severe trypan- trypanophobia, which is a thing that makes you pass out when you somebody points a needle at you and want to give you a oh, sure. hypodermic injection yeah. to draw blood. I sure. mean, this is this is not something that I have a lot of control of. It's yeah. somebody even mentions to me the possibility of getting my blood drawn or getting an immunization or a shot as if it's something that's likely to happen and my neck tightens up and things go white i don't ask for that to happen and it doesn't make me a sissy or a wuss because it happens at all it's a physiological thing that goes back to some sort of medical trauma that i experienced when i was very young although there's disagreement in terms of what that might have been i i i I believe it's because it's because of a harmful way that my that our family physician gave me an injection and uh and i have a memory of him slamming my head into the uh, examination table and saying, I don't have time for this shit, yank his pants down, and I'm going to shove this thing up his ass. Jeez. Now, that would traumatize a five-year-old. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. Now, somebody else in the room, somebody else who apparently was in the room at the time says that didn't happen, but I remember it like it happened yesterday. But yeah. they also, that same person also says that I had an adverse reaction to having blood drawn uh, that was needed to cross test blood types because I needed to have the operation to restore my hearing after I went deaf. Wow. So it was something, but we don't know what it was. The point being is I can't even identify it and I can't get a clear picture on what happened that causes this extreme physiological reaction. Now I have ways of dealing with it. One of which is, is if somebody says they want to inject something in me or draw blood from me, I go through at least five, maybe 10 whys with them. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and part of the reason I do that is because it helps me to create a logic where maybe I will see that 
I can, that this is necessary, and that can give me the ability to start working on how I'm going to get through it, because I can get through it with yeah. preparation, right? Yeah. Uh, so that's, that's the, and, and I use that time to begin to balance myself and center myself. Right. Because a lot right. of times when somebody says, we want to give you an injection, they want to do it like right now. Yeah. But I need well, that time to get centered. Another thing is, if I know I'm going to get blood drawn or I know I'm going to get an immunization or an injection, well, we schedule that a week out in advance, and I need that entire week. Usually, I have to see the hypnotherapist. None of this makes me a sissy. Not at all. Not at all. I no, am a man. Uh, in fact, man. in fact, in fact, it's as I see it, and I want to get your thoughts on this. Uh -huh. It's my emotional intelligence that uh, that enables me to recognize that this is a real issue. This doesn't become a question of my manhood, but also sure. by being able to view it through that lens, you know, I, I revealed that with preparation, with being given the opportunity to center myself uh, through hypnotherapy and other things, I can find a way to get through it. And I can also use the five whys, which I turn into like the 45 whys <laughs> to avoid, to avoid unnecessary medical procedures. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that that, I think that's a great, a great case study in terms of emotional intelligence. It's, a, it's about self-regard and boundaries and good emotional awareness and, uh, you know, a good relationship to reality that, you know, you're not crazy. <laughs> yeah. You, you know, you got to take self-care. And, 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 and but what I, I liked about what you said, too, is that, the, the, you know, our, um, most of us, ha our beliefs about uh, emotions, about the about the expression of emotions, most of that is formed when we're pretty young. And, and the beliefs that we carry with us either work for us or against us. And yeah. so, so more aware, mindful individuals learn that they can change their beliefs. They can change the way that their brain processes information, the way that they see things um, to make it work more for them than against them. You know, when I was, um, when I was a kid, and this wasn't so much from my parents, but it was, it was often from teachers, um, you know, those wicked, you know, those evil second grade, third grade <laughs> teachers, um, you know, they didn't have rulers because I didn't go to Catholic school, but they had, you know, but they were bossy, small women who, you know, you know, who had anger issues. And um, <laughs> so, <laughs> no offense to any of the small bossy women. In uh, well, I, well, well, I went to Catholic school right after they did away with the rulers, <laughs> but the rest of it was still there. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> You know, but I'll go back, Adam, I'll go back and I, I keep everything. I'm a, a pack rat and I, you know, I'll look at like report card comments that I got from teachers from, from like second grade, third grade. And they would say things like, you know, highly imaginative, but, you know, there's the but must use self-control. Um, you know, the, it was a lot of like damning kind of um, comments about, about my expression of emotion, which was probably, you know, very, you know, high impulse, high energy, um, high, high creative, which could probably be disruptive to other kids. And I get it now as an adult, but, but as a kid, you know, the message to me was like, too, it's too much of you, right? You need to like be less expressive, hold it in, hold it back, be a good boy, be polite, be quiet. Oh and, yeah. Uh, and that didn't work for me. Ultimately, you know, my impulsiveness, my expressiveness is, uh, you know, has gotten me many opportunities. It's gotten me on the TED, on the TED stage. It's gotten me, uh, it's gotten me in front of a lot of people because I'm pretty fearless and 
and I tell people what I think and, uh, you know, and I, I sort of live out loud and, and that's what I want for everybody that I work with. I want them to be fully expressed in, in words and in words and voice and speech um, and all the ways that we get to show up and, and, and lead. So, you know, so screw what they told you as a kid, um, you know, rewrite, rewrite the script, I say. Yeah, well, you know, um, I, some of the same thing with me. And uh, I also, when I was in a work, in a corporate work environment, I was one of those ones that got branded unemployable. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and uh, they would write on my report cards, the performance evaluations, that uh, subject seems to have difficulty aligning himself with the company's mission, vision, and goals. Wow. And after about the third year of that, I said, yeah, I believe your mission, vision, and goals are to screw with me. So I'm not going to align with that. Right. Just right. let, and, and then let them respond to that. So, uh, right. so I, so I, and, and I've had people point out to me again that I seem like a, a rebel. I seem like a nonconformist. And this is something I deal with. Uh, I'm a proud member of the Rotary. I'm a member of the Las uh-huh. Vegas Rotary chapter. And uh, those who are in Rotary know we have this thing called the four-way test that we use to evaluate our interactions with others. So it's four questions you ask. And the first question is, is it the truth? Mm-hmm. Well, I have a problem with that one because I believe there's no such thing as the truth. I believe right. there are facts that right. are, yeah, you get the picture. Uh, there's no absolute truth, right? right. Everything's subjective. Right. So, so if somebody says this is the truth, it might be a lie to me. Right. But, but, but I'm able to, in my mind, interpret that to say, well, when, the, when those three guys who initially founded the Rotary, uh, Paul Harris and his buddies created over 100 years ago, what they meant by that is, are you speaking of facts? So I interpreted it in my mind to mean that, but that literal phrase, is that the truth, is something mm-hmm. that uh, I, I can tell you how many times people have tried to tell me what the truth is and right. then call me a liar because I disputed sure. it. Right, yeah. and, and a lot of the source of the dissonance that we experience in this country right now is, you know, and I won't get political, I won't get on my soapbox, but uh, <laughs> that the, it's, that's too easy, I'm a New York, a New York liberal. Uh, but but <laughs> the, the, um, the, everybody's so dug in to their one version of the truth that, uh-huh. that, that there, there's very little room for, uh, for understanding and for, uh, and so I, I think it's, it, that's, a, that's something that em- emotionally intelligent individuals will work on um, is to be able to make more room for other people's views, perspectives, thoughts, beliefs, without, uh, without having uh-huh. to necessarily give up what, they, what you believe is to be, as to be, uh, to be true, you know, with a, with a small T. Um, but but, it, but if we don't allow other people to have to express their view of uh, their their version of, of truth, then they're not they're not going to uh, expand uh, and allow any uh, to see anything from our perspective either. Yeah. Uh, well, and and you know uh, there and there are many fine people on both sides who <laughs> have that challenge. Now you're a New York sides, li- you're a New York liberal. I'm a Las Vegas conservative. So, yeah, uh, yeah. but we're but we're not canceling each other out. Uh, we're just putting not. it out there so people can see there's a dynamic, and we're not turning this political. But I will say yeah. that I have gotten flack from people on from all from all points of the political spectrum uh i have endured some incredibly vicious attacks from people of the left persuasion mm-hmm. i have also endured some incredibly vicious attacks from people of the right persuasion because i didn't literally equate donald trump to jesus christ 
See, I would say that the, the fact that you're getting flack from both sides means you're doing something right. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, yeah, see, see, see the, and here's the other thing. I, I, when I engage in these conversations, I try to take the position of a political scientist. Yes, I have a view. Yes, I have a preference. Yes, I voted for this person and not this other person. Yes, I want to vote for this person and not this other person. Whatever, that's fine. We all have that. And let's put it on the table. That's good. Now we know where we all stand. Right. But right. I can also, but what, I, what I do is I say, am I looking at this through that lens? So how would I see it through that lens? Put it together, acknowledge it, and then, then move it over just a little bit to one side. Yeah. And say, okay, right. well, I do have this bias, and this is how I see it when I look at that bias. Right. Now that I have the recognition of how that impacts my vision, now I'm going to come over here, and I'm going to look at, look at it from a politically scientific point mm -hmm. of view, which means – which means I'm not going to agree with any side entirely. And if I think my guy screwed up, I'm going to say it. And if you don't like that, then I really can't help you. You might want to think about how you best support your guy or your woman or what have you yeah. by giving them the feedback they need to do a better job instead of trying to put them up as some sort of deity because that I doesn't help them. I love it. I mean, you know, someday I'm going to be out in Vegas and we're going to sit down and have coffee. And, you know, because I, I think that, like a lot of times, especially if I know that somebody who knows political views pretty, you know, differ greatly from mine or, you know, their, their, their social views and social issues differ greatly from mine. I, I really try not to cancel them out. I really try to like step into that conversation and, and try to understand where they're coming from to use that EQ, EQ element of empathy to really understand how they might have that belief based on where they come from and what they're, you know, what, what matters to them but also stay in the conversation until we can find some, some area of agreement. Yeah. And, um, and I think that's really key because there's always something that we agree on. Um, it, it, but, but it means sometimes we have to wade through the discomfort of hearing things that we don't necessarily agree with. Well, sure. And uh, yeah. And as, as I say to people all the time, I may lean in one direction, but the fact is if they, if they knew how they, how I actually felt about everything, I'd get thrown out of all the meetings. <laughs> we would probably have gotten in trouble a lot if we like hung out together and you know growing up like in school we probably. definitely would have been separated <laughs> yeah <laughs> i think so. i think so too so um so what we've done here and i know this is a little bit of a segue because what we like to do here on business creators radio is relate our business type concepts to things that people are doing every day and debating mm -hmm. current events politics, handling of the coronavirus and everything else is something that's on everybody's mind all the time. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, we could deal with, um, you know, media incidents and what have you on and on and on and on. So sure. the importance of emotional intelligence, and I'm glad, Alan, that you, you played with me for a minute here <laughs> and went down that road, is to illustrate how emotional intelligence impacts us in everyday things and can make us more effective. Like, uh, yeah. like one more point about my trypanophobia, uh, mm -hmm. because of the whole thing about, you know, only wusses are afraid of needles. Be a man. Grow up. Which is, you know, a lot of the, lot of the feedback I got. It got to the point where if somebody said just in passing, hey, you know, there's a blood drive two blocks down. That could make me pass out. Hmm. Going for a routine medical exam and having my blood pressure taken with a cuff, that could make me pass out. Right. So I found a way around the ladder. And yeah. it's real simple. If uh, when I go to a, a, a doctor's office or a medical facility and they want to do a checkup on me and, you know, as you know, it always starts with the blood pressure and the vital signs. I just say, I'm trypanophobic. 
uh, I don't want to faint here, so just tell me a story. Mm. And uh, they'll usually tell jokes and make me laugh or what have you. And what's happened about the past five times is you all have my arm held up so they can have the cuff on it. And then, you know, these days they put the little uh, vital signs thing on the, the finger to measure the heartbeat at the same time. And the past five times in a row, they've said, uh, the cuff is off and we took the little monitor off your finger. You can put your arms down now. Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. I developed a mind frame for dealing with that using emotional intelligence as a vehicle. Absolutely. Absolutely. You rewired your brain. They're all, yeah. all relationship to that, to, to that issue. Yeah. Now there's something else I got to do. Um, you're paying your, you're paying your hall a little bit later and I'm going to be watching your TEDx talk a little bit later about how to uh -huh. navigate chaos. Yeah. Can you tell us a can you give us a little bit of a preview of what we're going to be seeing when we tune in to that and some of your recommendations from it? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so it's really, it's really interesting, Adam, the, the, you know, I did, I did my TED, my TEDx in, in October and it was taking forever for it to, to come online. And, and the theme of that conference was chaos. And, uh, and, and I spoke about the power of a shared purpose to help us navigate through, through chaotic times in business and in our lives. And, and months and months and months had gone by and the, the freaking TEDx wasn't, wasn't being broadcast. And I thought, well, what, like something's gotten screwed up. Um, it wasn't good enough. It didn't pass muster or whatever. And sure enough, like it took one of the most chaotic, disruptive times in our modern history to be the catalyst for the thing to air. And, um, and so right at the beginning of the coronavirus, my TEDx went up on the, uh, on the site because I speak very specifically to, you know, how, um, how a, a sense of shared purpose that, that we, we fully embrace and, and that, uh, that we rally around can help us can, can essentially serve as a GPS, a, a North Star, if you, were, if you will, to get us through just the, the, the disruption and the chaos of our work lives. Uh, you know, I use the experience of, of the, leading the Harry Potter publicity team. It's a great example. I and mean, we didn't know, I mean, it was much bigger than any of us were equipped to handle. Um, we were actually being asked to do the impossible with virtually no budget. Um, with no roadmap and uh, and frankly a, a somewhat dysfunctional marketing and sales operation and uh, you know people being pretty um, you know at times kind of toxic but because we all believe so much in the power of these books to to help young boys to read to really change the landscape of publishing we were able to overcome a lot of the the, the low emotional intelligence aspect of of the team and uh yeah. and to really transcend it and to um to basically succeed in a way that no one could have ever imagined and i also and i use other examples so uh, certainly um you know if i was to to update it right now i would talk about just the leadership and um that we see from uh, from communities people rallying together um to um to to uh I, to find equipment for first responders, um, for feeding the homeless. Or, I mean, you just see how people have really lifted themselves up beyond their own, their own issues to, to help the greater good. Um, right. You see that every night here and around the, and around the globe, people just uh, sticking their heads out the window and cheering and banging pots and pans for all the, the front line. <laughs> the frontline workers and it, it's really it, it really lifts the spirit and um and, and i think um 
you know, my, my, so my spouse runs an emergency room here in New York. So, so we're really in the center of the center of the center. Um, but, but the stories that I hear about um, what these healthcare workers are able to, to do, and they're basically doing what, doing the impossible. Um, and um, by, by coming together around the importance of caring for every single person and making every, everyone matter. And um, it's, it's amazing, the selflessness and, and, and essentially the magic, the magic of what can happen when people pull together and make it about more than just themselves. So, uh, so that, that's what you'll hear in, uh, in, my, TED, in my TEDx. Uh, I share others, there are other stories certainly, but, but I, I, I lived in, I live in lower Manhattan and I saw the second tower come down. Um, 9-11 and, and I yeah. saw I, I and I, I you, know, you think about like those air traffic controllers what um, uh, what they were able to do able to land all of those planes safely and, and swiftly um, nobody could have ever thought that that was possible it wasn't like there was a handbook for it yeah. but 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 their their commitment and their belief in, in, in keeping everyone safe uh, it just it, it it, it had this sort of transcendental um, quality, you know, just being able to just be able to move mountains when you when it, when the shit matters, and and yeah. so you suddenly find like you know when when there's something bigger at stake, a lot of the pettiness and the and the needless finger pointing and, and, and backstabbing and belittling and all that stuff, like it just it just goes away, you know, it just yeah. doesn't, it doesn't it, that that doesn't matter anymore, and and so I I think that. You know, when hopefully when things do return to some semblance of normal, people will remember the the compassion, the empathy, the pulling together, the um, the emotional support that uh, the leading a purpose driven life, and just how important that is to to yeah. our success, whether we're a corporate leader or a small business owner or, or a coach or or consultant. Yeah, here's the difference. Yeah, I think part of it has to do with which direction you're looking in. Now, there's a reason why there's a big windshield and a small rearview mirror in your vehicle. Because <laughs> you're supposed to be looking mostly through one. Uh, I have found, I mean, I've been, a, in the, I've been a consultant for almost 20 years. Do you think it's possible I might have uh, dropped a ball here and there and really pissed off a client? No way. No, it never happens. We're all perfect, right? No way. No, no and, way. And, and, and I didn't write about this in my book. So <laughs> there, there, there's, there's, there's a couple ways you can go about this. You can rehash the past and 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 go through every single and and review twenty five different emails. In fact, I had a client. Uh, this was way back, and it was actually a very minor thing, uh, but. Uh, to her was the whole world to me it was like something you click a button right and uh and she uh wanted to go through uh 25 days of emails and i i realized where she was going i said okay you know you're paying for my time to sit here while you go through all these emails and you're doing it because you're looking for uh an aha or a gotcha that proves that I did something wrong so that you can be right. So how about I just stipulate that I probably did screw this up somewhere. And for now, let's focus on the distance between where we are and where we need to be and how we get there closest. And once we resolve this and make you satisfied and cheerfully satisfied with our work, then if you want, we can schedule a separate autopsy uh, about mm. how we how about how we work together more effectively in the future? I've had to use that tactic. I mean, 
what, in 20 years, about three times. Yeah. And yeah. they never, they always say, cool, let's get it done. And they never come back and want to process it later. Well, because in the end, all they want is the result and they want to feel like they got what they invested in. Right, right. And I think that there are definitely times to, uh, to kind of lay that down, right? And, um, you know, there, there, there's a job that has to get done and that's where one can be assertive and, you know, and, but I think that the, it ultimately... Uh, you, the work that you do on the other end to make your employees and your customers and your clients know that you really care deeply about them and their, their well-being, not just their financial success or, or, or their results. I think it's easier than to, uh, to make the request to, to yeah. dial the assertive. And all. But otherwise, you could just come across as just a bully or a blowhard or, you know, yeah. that's, um, you know that's, that's, I don't think anybody really wants uh, no, no, like, nobody, nobody wants to be bullied. I mean, when I, when I do that, it's just a simply a matter of refocus. I'm not saying yeah, yeah. they don't matter. In fact, what I'm saying is I care about you so much. I just want you to be happy and I'm showing you a path. We can get you there faster. Yeah. 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 And it, and it's even, and it's, and when you really believe that, uh, you know, people will feel that. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. Candidly, I want to win. And, and my version of winning is when I do things well and people benefit. Yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent. And and I think, and I think I brought, we bring that up because we're going to see a lot of that as companies, as work groups and individuals find their way through a very uncertain time. And they're inevitably going to say something that's going to piss somebody off. They're absolutely. inevitably going to screw something up really bad. And somebody's going to come back to them and said, you should have known this. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So, absolutely. so, so do they, so they really want to keep the strife going or do they want to, do they want to solve the problem? Right. I think the communications challenges, the interpersonal challenges that, that uh, I'm not even talking about the operational challenges, uh, uh, those issues, but the, the, the things that people are going to be dealing with, I don't think anybody is fully prepared to, right. to deal with it. You know, there going to be, there's going to be so much anxiety, people like boundaries. You know, some people don't want to come back. They're afraid. Some people are, you know, are just waiting to, uh, to point fingers and, you know, with the, I told you so, so why didn't, uh-huh. we have a, why didn't we have a plan and this and that. And it's, it, it, it may get ugly and for some people, but hopefully, Hopefully, the, uh, there there will be more of a focus on what we can do right and what we can do what we can do better, and and not not be looking backwards so much. Yeah, what can we learn from from it? Let's move forward. Let's let's uh, seize opportunity for sure. Yeah, we have about ten minutes here, and I do. I want to ask you one more question. I also want to sure. make one more point. Um, sure. We see all these de- these <clears throat> these. Uh, debates and you know and to this day i have uh, several friends of mine that continue to want to relive what president trump should have shouldn't have known or should have shouldn't have done about this right so so there are those that say that he waited a week too long and it cost fifty thousand lives there are those that say hey you remember those travel restrictions those saved a million lives we'll never really know right so right i so i have two responses to that number one um number one is Give me the name of any public official at any level 
I will analyze their actions, statements, and thoughts, and I'll tell you what they should or should not have done or <laughs> should or should not have known. Yeah. I mean, we were going into something completely uncertain, yep. and everybody had their own view of the facts and their own truth, and they did their best they could. That's part one. And then part two is at some point you just draw a line and say, up until then, they had no idea. So now let's look from this line forward and say, what are they doing now? Yeah. Because everybody had to pivot. Everybody had to learn fast. Right. Everybody got hit with a pie in the face uh, and with a lot of people saying, huh, you should have known. We, you're, it's your job. Well, okay, well, we can't go back and fix that, but we can, we can change the future. Of course. Of course. Right. I think I, I, I listen, I, I, I lean definitely one way over the other, but even yep. I would say, like, you know, every leader, none of us know how we would act if we were in that position. Right. And, and so I, I definitely can appreciate that. And I do think that, that you're always going to have, there are always going to be missteps. It's just what do you learn from them and what do you do differently the next time? And, yeah. you know, and I would say, and again, without getting into like this, politics, but this is like one time like where I, like I completely want the president to win. I want him I, to be successful. I, I, want always, the economy. I, I always want my president to win. I always right. want my governor to win. I always right. want my mayor to win. Right. I always, right. always, always want right. them to win. It doesn't matter if they were my preferred candidate or not. I want to know that even if I don't necessarily agree with their policies and actions, that I have a sense that they have my best interests in mind. That's it. Exactly. Even, even if their review on how to get there is not the same as my Absolutely. path. I still want to know that in the end, it's going to be positive. And Absolutely. I can get, and, and I've, uh, you know, we've already covered that, you know, we're, you know, a little bit different politically, but I have, uh, I have uh, heaped praise on our Democrat governor here in Nevada, because I think except for like one small thing, he's actually done a fantastic job. That's yeah. going to mean in a lot of trouble with some of my conservative friends, <laughs> but I stand by it. Right, right. But you give credit when you know yeah. when credit is deserved, and you know, uh, and you can disagree when you don't agree, and that's yeah. that's fine. And I love the fact that we can have this conversation. It's like I, you know, and that is what emotionally intelligent men, leaders, women, like we should be able to have this conversation and walk away feeling feeling good about it. Like maybe we yeah. learned a little something. I have, found, I have found the more we can have open communication, the more we find that we actually agree on things. And what it, all, what it often comes down to is we may not agree on the pathway, but we agree on the destination Correct. we'd like to reach. Correct. And the basic, uh, we all share a, a desire for the same basic, basic things, you know, food, food, shelter, love, uh, safety, security, you know, it's like, like it's, uh, that, those things don't differ. It just, you know, it's just, it looks different to every person. Yeah. So where we are now um, in the last few minutes here is uh, there's something that I obviously am very familiar with, a book uh, called The Connection Challenge written by Alan Samuel Cohen. So what are some of the principles in that book that can be adapted to um, connecting, especially in times of physical distancing and quarantine with all the people getting zoomed out and, and masked out and everything else. I think that'd be sure. a great place to wrap up. Awesome. So it's, it's, it, it, there's some irony in the fact that I wrote the book, The Connection Challenge, How Executives Create Power and Possibility in the Age of Distraction. I wrote it um, in 2018. 
Uh-huh. Uh, it really, it really could have come out, you know, this this month, that it would have been even more perfect. Um, but but you know, it's it, the the principles in the book um, they don't change. They uh, it's just it, it's now having to be pushed through a lens of of uh, of social distancing and and an online reality. But it but the book is essentially in a, a handbook for executives and and how to connect better um, using aspects of emotional intel- intelligence for sure, um, connecting around purpose, um, you know, looking at what kind of energy you're bringing to, into your communication. Are you, you know, are you playing the victim? Are you, is it a lot of conflict energy? Are you bringing more collaboration to your connections um, using, using the power of story to, um, to develop deeper connection with folks? And, um, you know, it, it's, it's really a primer in just how to deepen authentic relationship and, and, um, and make every person that you talk to feel like they're the most important person uh, uh, in the moment. And, um, you know, being, um, but, and basic principles like, like trustworthiness, transparency, vulnerability, um, all of those are, are just key elements to showing people that you, that you care about them. And, um, and so that's the, you know, and then also looking at what are the things that, that, that are screwing with our, our ability to be present and in dialogue with people, whether, you know, what's the noise in our brains that we need to remove, you know, how do we, uh, you know, unplug, turn off, turn off the noise so that we can, can really uh, have deeper, deeper and more meaningful uh, conversations with people. And, and uh, at the end of the day, though, it really is, it's, it's, a, it's about self-leadership. It's, it's looking at, at what are the assumptions that we're making about other people? What are the limiting beliefs? What are the, uh, the, the misinterpretations of people's intentions that, uh, that people pick up on? And it, it drives a wedge into, into, into deeper, deeper connection and, and communication. So I, th- I think in this you know, in this time, um, we have to really double down on connection because the it's a it's a human need to to want to be connected. But for a lot of us, we're being told that to be more connected physically is actually going to impact our health. But so it's a little bit of a a, a tension there, right? We need connection yes. for our health, but we're being told not to be not to connect for our health. For our health, yeah. Right. So the stress. The, the stress of not being able to connect, physically connect, is really way, is, is taking its toll on people. So we have to find different and creative ways to connect. And, and it's not all about just being on Zoom 24-7. Um, you know, a lot of people have Zoom fatigue. So it's picking up uh-huh. the phone. It's sending a text. It's an emoji. It's snail mail. It's, it's, it's whatever you can create. Um, you know, sometimes I, I, I coach teams right now. Some of them are doing like virtual tours of their homes on, you know, like letting people into their lives a little bit more. Um, just being more accessible if you're leading teams, um, really, really having kind of an open door. People just need a lot more uh, of, of that FaceTime with you, whether it's in groups or one-on-one. And, um, and, and that's, that's important, the connection yeah. challenge. Yeah, uh, I think I agree with all of your 
points there. And I know that Zoom fatigue is becoming a real thing for a lot of people. Like recently, I figured out in my own Zoom accounts how to set my profile image to be a picture of my cat because I was sick <laughs> and tired of these constant expectations that I have to turn on my camera 20 freaking times a day. Know, like, I like, oh, I, like I, I long for the days of the good old telephone almost. So, the, I know, so, I, so I, I figured know. I'll put up a picture of my cat and I'll think she's cute. <laughs> I alternate. I, 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 I usually will say, hey, we could, you know, I'm a little zoomed out today. Do you mind if we do this as a phone call in the next month yeah. Zoom? Or, depending on the person and uh, the nature of the relationship. But yeah, you know, we, it's, it's like, it's too much media. And um, yeah, it's, it's, um, I, uh, yeah, I think you got to change it up. Yeah, and I think, and and I also read an article about this recently. I can't remember the the citation, but when you use Zoom and you're doing it from your home, you're inviting people into an area of your life that you would normally keep them out of. So if it's a work meeting, <laughs> right. you normally keep your boss and your colleagues out of your home. Right. Would be one would be one example. That's right. And uh, you're being exposed to a new level of vulnerability that can impact you in ways you may not consciously see. Yeah, absolutely. And then your your husband and your wife walks by in the background without his or her shirt on, um, on a Zoom call, and you know now you've oh I've heard those stories and more. Like oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, like uh, the woman was on a a Zoom call for her work, and uh, then in the background you saw her boyfriend uh, getting up off the couch, and you could just tell by the way he was moving and the look in his eyes what they were doing about five minutes before she got Fantastic. on that call. Fantastic. <laughs> That was one of the early stories. It was hilarious. <laughs> All right. So, so we're up near the, well, I figured we'd, let, we'd end with a little bit of humor here. But before I hope we so, do, yeah. before we wrap up, I want to turn the floor over to you for just one moment because you had a couple things you wanted to share with our listeners uh, before we wrap up. So, Alan, take it away. Sure. Well, so for everybody, here's a free gift. Um, you can go to, um, it's bit.ly slash ASC leadership. And that's a downloadable, uh, infographic, five ways to lead through uncertainty using emotional intelligence. So again, that's bit.ly slash ASC leadership. And that's for everybody. And then for the fellows on the group, come hang out with us at the EQ Advantage on Facebook. You can find it, the EQ Advantage on Facebook. And uh, it's, a, it's a close community of, of men, uh, leaders, coaches, and consultants who want to build their emotional intelligence and um, be more successful in their business and their lives. And, uh, and then alansamuelcohen.com is where uh, lots of other good stuff happens. All right, absolutely. Alan Samuel Cohen, thank you so much for being with us today. It's been an honor and believe me in education. Thank you so much. This was a great conversation and an unexpected one. So, exactly. Uh, well, we try, we try and do things differently here. I love it. I love it. Thank you great. so much. For our listeners, we trust you enjoyed today's episode of Business Creators Radio Show. Check out our previous and upcoming episodes on our website at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. While you're there, be sure to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. Until next time, have a great day. Take care.